if I anyway. <laughs> there you go, DJ. DJ Cynthia in public. <laughs> I like it. Go, DJ. Hell yeah. I like your uh, I like your the quality of your mic. It's awesome. Thank you. Yes, oh, yeah. yeah. Which only gets used for respect. I feel bad. Like, I did a lot of investing in this and then I stopped doing Zoom shows. I mean, you know, 99% of the people that were doing Zoom shows stopped doing Zoom shows. So yeah. yeah, no, I, we're not we're not pointing fingers at you or anything. No, I love that you. Yeah. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh-oh. On a Tuesday night, I could go through afternoon delights if I, you know, feel like I need it. Yeah, those are fun. And then, you know, they're there. They're there. So if you got an awesome. evening free and you want to hop on a Zoom mic, they're still there. There's still some some people uh, that are out there checking the Zooms. Keeping like it alive. Yeah, hell yeah. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Hypothetical Comedy Podcast. I am Funky Sam Medina. And I'm Athena Rodriguez. And we're here with fellow fellow San Jose comedian, Cynthia in public. How are you doing, Cynthia? I am good. How are you all doing? Doing good. Doing good. It's good to talk to you. It's been a while. I know. I miss you guys so much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We we're just talking about your show and stuff, and congratulations on the on the summer series. That's super fun. Thank we, you so much. We did it last year. It was a good time. Yeah, I honestly, even if like only five people show, I think the best part about the show is that like it's it's just cozy. Like even I, I don't know, I don't know how to describe it, but I just want everyone to have a good time, comedians and audience alike. I want you guys to feel like we're all like part of the same community. So. I think cozy is a good way to describe it because you have the people on the grass with the blankets and the yeah. comics in the background with the on the bench and just everybody hanging out. You know, it's a good time. Hell yeah, I, I like uh, the community thing that you do a lot I like that. Yeah, thank you. Hell yeah. So uh, what's been new? What's going on in your world, in your life? Um, I don't, I don't, which part of my life? <laughs> Every part, any part of your life. You got anything exciting? Mm. How's Samson doing? Santa is actually really good and happy about that. So if anyone isn't following me on Instagram, which you should, um, Samson is my cat. He's 12 years old. He's a Siamese and he has chronic kidney disease. So Aww. I heard the news earlier this year that um, the doctor said like it's stage three. Um, he might have a few months left. He might have some years left and they just don't know with the progression because um, it could be really random. I was worried about him because for a few months he he used to be like a thick 13 pounds and then he went down to like nine pounds, which for us oh, would be wow. like losing 30 pounds. Yeah. Um, but now he seems like he I haven't seen him throw up lately in the last month or so. He's like actually eating his food now, which is really good. Like he seems energetic again. So mm-hmm. I, I feel oh, good, good that he's feeling better and rebounding. So Yeah, that's awesome. I didn't mm-hmm. realize he was so sick. I'm so sorry to hear that. But uh, I'm glad that he's feeling a little better because he's an awesome guy. I remember when we did that show. He was hanging out with us. Part of the reason I do the neighborhood show is just so that people can meet my cat. That's it. Like every (laughs) single comedian that does the show has a picture with my cat. (laughs) Hey, so speaking of your cat, um, when we, we, so you popped up randomly. You're like a friend of a friend. You like randomly popped up on Zoom and you're this girl that took your cats for walks and you know we got to know you and you became i feel like we've done your whole life now at this point <laughs> you, um, have, you have i'm pretty sure you're right there next to the doctor and be like oh yeah that's a girl <laughs> <laughs> but um but like where did you like where did you grow up did you grow up in san jose where are you from 
Um, that's a good question. So I was originally born in Cameroon. I've been in the United States since I was like 10 years old. And okay. when I first came to the States, I was in Oklahoma for about four years and then in California for the rest of it. So I've been in California for about probably like four, 13, 14 years of my life, the longest okay. I've ever been anywhere. Yeah. Um, I did spend, so I did go to school in San Jose State, um, which is why I kind of uh, claim San Jose as my home base because I lived there for <laughs> yeah. about like five yeah. years. Um, I've also lived in Sunnyvale. Right now I'm in Camel. I really do want to move back to San Jose. It's just, I'm trying to just save up money for rent and no, pay I up trust my medical me, bills. <laughs> yeah, no, we're about an hour from San Jose. We're in Tracy, but, uh, you know, we still um, claim San Jose. If, if I'm doing a show and they're like, hey, where are you from? I always... I don't tell them Tracy. I tell them San Jose because that's, yeah. <laughs> that's where my roots are, you know? That's where I'm from. It's true. I don't know. I feel like the the joke I always tell to people is just that, like, when you're thinking about cities, it's just, like, think of it like San Francisco is, like, the titties. Like, you know, they're, like, small titties, but, like, everybody loves titties, you know, no matter what. Like, uh, like San Sacramento is, like, the ass crack. Like, you know, like, no one really, <laughs> no one really likes that. But like San Jose is just like a butthole. Like not everyone's <laughs> into it, but the people that are into it are really into it. You know? <laughs> oh my gosh, that's hilarious. I love that. Uh, that was great. Did you come out here for college? Like, did you come here specifically for that? Did I lose you? Uh-oh. Yeah, sorry. I oh. think my mic went out for a second. Oh, no, you're good. You're good. Uh, did you come out here specifically for school or yeah, did you so go to school here because you were here? Uh, <laughs> so uh, I actually went to high school in California. I think I went to uh, like the last few years I went to high school in Sunnyvale. And uh, before that, I was living in Oklahoma. I actually, I don't tell people this, but I actually graduated high school at 16 years old. Wow. <laughs> uh, I moved to California when I was 13 going on like 14 something like that um and it was just me because i have five older siblings and i moved away from my mom to live with my sister because we had a lot of like family issues going on my sister was just like hey why don't you just come live with me and have like a like a okay life i'm like all right (laughs) so (laughs) that's awesome that is really awesome yay that is so good Mm -hmm. You know, see, those are the kind of sibling stories I like to hear. You know, I, it gives me hope. I don't have a sibling, but my my children are siblings. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm just waiting for them to be nice to each other eventually. I, I'm hoping there's like just a, a change of heart, really. Yeah, but, but, yeah, but like how good. your kids, like one of them is like, your kids are grown, right? Like one of them is like 18. The other one is it still te- teenager, right? Yeah, 15. Yeah. Uh, it might take some time (laughs) but I mean I think it was one of those things where like I mean I've I've never really had an issue with my siblings but now I kind of have I don't know I guess (laughs) it hits you you later it hits you later in life there's a sweet spot and then it's gone (laughs) maybe maybe they get along for like the first three years and then it was downhill from there. Maybe the street spot was like the first year and a half. Yeah, at least you had a you know 20, 20 some good years. <laughs> I just think that, you know, as at a certain point in life, uh, I think is for me in like the last few years, you just sort of realize what's important. Um yeah. like 
I've been, especially you guys have heard what's happened to me in the last few years. Yeah. Um, and I think it just made me realize like, what do I value? I value friends. I value family. I value uh, community and comedy. So like I've made an active effort this year of like, Hey, if I love seeing my, if I love my siblings that much, why don't I see them more? So now instead of seeing each other once a year, we've seen each other at least like three times a year. Cause we're trying to make more of an effort to be in each other's lives. Right. That's, that's awesome. Like putting the money, you know, like instead of putting money into, well, actually, I still put money into food. I love food. But like, <laughs> <laughs> but like, instead of going to like random parties and random outings, I was like, okay, I'll just go over to my friend's house and just like hang out with them and their kids. <laughs> or like, oh, hey, I'll just, we'll have a pool party and we'll just like go sit at the hot tub and do that. You know, like, yeah. um, like if I can, if I can hang out with someone, I will is is basically like if i have four hours in my day i won't say oh no i'm too tired i'm like all right i can hang out with you for an hour at least and then take a nap <laughs> yeah sometimes i think an hour is just good enough i yeah. feel like that's good enough to catch up to like decompress you know kind of thing yeah i feel um... like that i feel like any any moment counts really if you make it count mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah i guess so <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I, I mean i i just value that and yeah, yeah i absolutely. remember when i was trying to go to new york i like hit up all the people i knew like the communists i knew in new york and they were like oh i'm busy i'm busy i'm busy i'm like i'm gonna be here for like three days you can pick any time can i just like stop by and say hi it was one of those things where it's like i don't know i think the culture there is like always being on yeah. and oh, yeah yeah I mean, like, we're just I, talking about their their uh, I guess their subway system. Their their transit is twenty four hours, so it's like, yeah, yeah, everybody's always on. Everybody's <laughs> always on the go in New York. That's what it seems like. Mm -hmm. We're just yeah. like laid back here in California. We're just like, yeah, we'll do it. It doesn't tomorrow. feel like that in <laughs> California, though. It feels really <laughs> anxiety and filled with stress. <laughs> it is. I don't know. It is. It's, but I feel like that's the paradox of like California. Like you're, there's this weird hustler culture where like you're like constantly working, constantly doing mm -hmm. this, constantly trying to make more money. And at the same time, you're supposed to be taking like three meditation classes a day <laughs> and like, you know, like waking up at five to go for a fucking run and like <laughs> the sun isn't even out. Like, why? <laughs> Yeah, I'm fortunate that I've been working from home for the past few months, so I really, really enjoy that. I should definitely take more advantage of of that and do more things like around the house and stuff early in the morning. But mm -hmm. it's fun to sleep in until the last minute. Oh yeah, totally, <laughs> totally. No, that's the other thing I've been thinking about. Like, um, I think sometime last year, the year before, I read this article about leisure. So they were talking about why men get ahead more than women. And one of it was the um, author talking about how, you know, the husband gets home and then he's like, I need a few hours to myself. So he takes a few hours to just sit in his study, watch a game, think. And then the entire time the woman is cooking, she's cleaning, she's getting the kids ah. to bed. And if you think about that, even though we're like in like, you know, marriages, men, women are supposed to be equal, but women still do a portion of the housework. Then that extra time the guys have to just have to themselves I mean they have like for centuries they've had more time mm -hmm. to create, come up with scientific concepts, do more art. 
Yeah. And I realized that I didn't really value leisure time because I thought like, oh, no, I should just be working, working, working. And I think leisure time could be part of work. But now I value having like two hours to de- decompress and watch a show, right? Or like two mm-hmm. hours. Like I value nothing time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just gonna, shut, gonna just shut your brain off for a little while. Yeah, and I realize yeah. like how valuable that is because it's just, I, I, I guess I'm at a point in my life where I feel like I don't have to be productive, efficient, and good all the time. I don't have to um constantly be even though I feel like that but I don't constantly have to be always trying to be better sometimes I just want to be like it's a fucking slob on my bed yeah and and, you know sometimes that gets you ideas because you you think of something you're like oh and like if you hadn't shut off your brain you wouldn't have thought of that but it's also having that time is a luxury and I definitely more present yeah Yeah, it really is it's being more present it's a good form of self-care to be more present. Uh, I think that I have the the same kind of thing because I, I grew up in a family where uh, if you weren't efficient or doing something as a worker, uh, you were lazy. You were automatically this welfare recipient. Oh person. yeah, 100%. You were all of a sudden living off the, like, like other people in your life. It was terrible. But uh, so like as an adult, I finally learned those things like, yeah, you need to take a break. You need to stop. Stop. Mm. (laughs) I mean, sometimes you do. And I like and and it's so weird. It's so weird to say that. Like, I don't know if it's weird to say because it makes me seem like a kind of like a bummer but like I'll be (laughs) sitting on the couch and going man I could really do those dishes right now I could really just I could just knock them out real quick the dishes and it's like no sit down and stay down (laughs) finish the show (laughs) there's three more episodes in the season you're good (laughs) oh my gosh I guess the caveat is if you have roommates, you can only be lazy to a certain extent. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but like if you're in a situation like that, you could probably plan when to yeah. be lazy and when not to be lazy. Yeah. You know, we have a house, so we can kind of be lazy at our leisure, which is all the time. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> we just have each other uh, judging us, and nobody else. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. Hey, so um, at what point did you uh, kind of spark an interest in the stand-up comedy and how how did you kind of pursue that um i think like every other comedian i'll tell you that i've um i've been making jokes my entire life Mm. uh i i think growing up i had a lot of difficult family situations happen and i was the one who was always trying to like cheer up my mom cheer up my brothers like make everyone laugh and then I do remember that at like a in high school, um, I used to finish my work really fast. At least when I was in Oklahoma, it, like when I came to California, I was barely keeping up. But like in, <laughs> in Oklahoma, I would finish my work fast, so I was like really chatty in my classes. I would always make jokes and like faces, <laughs> and but at the same time, the teachers still loved me because I was like the good black child. I don't know how to because they were just like, "Oh my gosh, she speaks English so properly." Ah, <laughs> grades. I'm just oh, like, man. yeah, dude. So I don't know. I I never got disciplined. Like mostly, I just got like shushed. But I was, a, <laughs> I was an effective class clown. Let's put it that way. 
Um, You're probably adorable too, so they couldn't discipline you. Exactly. Yeah, hard. Um, <laughs> but for fan of comedy, um, I was actually there. Um, if you guys remember the days of Frascati, like the yeah. Frascati yeah. is like a it, it was an old cafe that is now Nirvana Soul in um, San Jose. They do a mic now. I heard. They do. They do. So now, actually, they've combined everything to Friday night mics. So Ooh. comedy, music, everything is on Friday. I don't know if that's going to change again because they used to separate it into three different nights like Frascati did. But Frascati mm-hmm. essentially was, I would say it's like a work, it was like a working class cafe. Local college students to, used to yeah. come there too. And um, a few years ago, I what, like eight years, I, eight years ago, like I don't know, like six years, a long time ago they decided to start having open mics. And I knew the person that started open mic. It was Jorge, but then also someone else called Rob. So Rob was actually the president of the comedy club at San Jose State. I joined it, but really I just went to like two meetings. And then that was also where Jorge met Rob because like we were all sort of in the same place. So like I actually did one of the first open mic nights that Frascati had. And back then it was, it was all combined. They had musicians, poetry, and everything. And then I think within like a few weeks, they were like, oh, it's kind of weird to have a comedian talk about dick jokes after someone had made a depression, <laughs> a whole entire poem about depression and suicide. And we're just like, yeah. So they they separated it into different nights. But basically, I started doing comedy then. Like I did a few sets. It was really fun. And then I just stopped because I didn't have enough time during school. I was doing like engineering and then um, end of 2019, no, sorry, no. End of 2018, I got out of like a four, four and a half year, four year relationship or something like that. I went through a breakup. And then I was like, well, I'm not doing all the things I've been wanting to do. Because I kept on myself, I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to do comedy. And then I just wasn't doing it. And I was like, <laughs> you know what? Let me just do all the things I wanted. So I like started doing Samba. Started doing stand-up comedy. My first jokes was just about like going through a breakup. And then the first thing I did was go to CVS to buy a pack of condoms and a pack of batteries, which is a very true story. <laughs> oh dang. <laughs> Everyone loved the joke. You know, like, hey, I'm like single, but I'm still horny. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> I remember that, like, the fact that it happened, I remember it happened because it was a really nice Ethiopian lady. She was, like, chatting me up and blah, blah, blah. I was, like, putting myself on the counter. And then as soon as I put the condoms on the counter, she stopped talking to me. She stopped talking to me. She was just, like, this improper woman. Oh, my god! She's like, oh, you dirty girl. I know. She understood. And batteries. <laughs> And uh, so I, and I've just kind of been doing comedy ever since. Um, <laughs> I think when I first, def- I first started, it was definitely like a therapy for me because I was, um, I was dealing with depression, and it was, it was literally like prescribed more or less to me by my therapist. Like, hey, you should do comedy at least X number of times a week, which was why I was doing so much wow. open mics in a week because, like, I, I always felt like. You know, I go home and I cry myself to sleep. I'm like, I want to kill myself. I want to do this, all of that stuff, right? Um, but when I came home from open mic night, I at least like the endorphins and the feelings you get from comedy kind of kept me going to the next day. So it was literally like a day by day thing. I was just like, all right, I won't kill myself tonight, but maybe tomorrow, maybe tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, kept me going. 
Um, and then I eventually got on meds and then they sucked and then they put me on other meds and then they sucked. And then, um, I got out January, 2020. I knew it was already a fucked up year because I think the second day of January, I, um, I guess this is very detailed or like I was actually planning on like driving to like a bridge, like researching bridges, like jump off. Um, but then I ended up going into the Kaiser intense outpatient program which is like it's like you go to the loony bin but you get to like go home after like 12 you know like wow. for like half a day it's like a half a day it's like a half a day it's like a day um, camp instead of a summer camp yeah and then like end of January I was like you know what I feel better like I feel better like you know maybe 2020 won't be so bad and then it was <laughs> oh <laughs> no <laughs> oh so that was your fault no, just- no, no. Like, as soon as I was getting better, 2020 hit. And I was like, you know what? I was right January 1st. Like, this is not going to be a good year. <laughs> so that, that's my comedy story. I've been doing comedy ever since. Um, I'm on medication. Wow. So I want to back up a little bit. Uh, you mentioned that you were in the stand-up comedy club at San Jose State. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is, what's that like? What do you guys do? Do you just have, like, have little open mics at the club do you at the, at the school you know you just, like, i have no clue about it? <laughs> i went to three two or three meetings that, that's <laughs> kind of it but basically what they used to do they used to meet at the theater as San Jose state and they used to perform in front of each other and then they would encourage each other to go to the frascati open mic i think back then there wasn't as many open mics as there were now in the south bay so like we only really knew about frascati. yeah there wasn't that many woodham's was around and then eventually frascati was walking distance yeah, exactly. Um, unfortunately, though, like I went for a few meetings and then I just sort of dropped off of comedy for years and then I got back into it 2018, which is why I say I'm only three years because like, mm-hmm. I did random a few times and then I stopped. But um, for, let me think, for, I know now the comedy club is a lot, but, sorry, 2019 is when I started doing that. 2019, yeah, yeah, 2019. But like, I know now, um for a while there was a kid i forgot his name but like he took over the comedy club or the sjsu comedy club and then they made it a lot bigger like they actually got some of the members to like perform at the sj improv they were like doing shows i think in partnership with like a couple other comedy clubs and like they were actually getting people like through like booked onto shows as well That's as like great. practicing. Um, yeah, I would imagine that that would be a really good route, especially nowadays, to start and kind of get your foot in the door at yeah. places like that because they probably know people, you know, at that point and they have yeah. connections. Yeah, I, I think for sure, especially if you go to San Jose State, like definitely join the yeah. comedy club. Um, I don't know, I forgot Sharma, shy Sharma. He was the one who was in charge of it. Um, but then I think he graduated last year. So I don't know who's in charge of it now. But like it was pretty That's active cool. when he joined. Like I actually saw the Facebook group like with messages on it. I was like, oh, <laughs> <you're doing laughs> he's revived. That's cool. Right. Were you at the last of Frascati Mike? Yeah. We were there too. Oh, dang. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't know a... you yet. We did not, we haven't met you yet, but we were there. And Mel Michelle. It was an interesting backstory. So I'll give you the short of it because the long of it, there's some drama. I will not get into oh, it. No. I mean, get, get as deep into it as you want. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, I, I try not to. Well, actually, I've already burned my brain. So maybe it's not a big thing. Okay. About also the short of it. So I, me, Jordan Long, who at the time was still in the US, he's a comedian who went to Hong Kong and now he's pretty big. 
Um, oh, he's doing he's doing pretty good in Hong Kong for comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has like that's cool. Yay. I didn't know that. Over that's 100K awesome. subscribers. He has like shows that he does there. Like he, I think I should, he should uh, give him a shout. Yeah, definitely hit him up. But me and Jordan, so I basically got together with a few other people um, that like knew Jorge, and we pulled our money together to get Jorge like a, a gift of money. But then also we bought him like a super nice like portrait of like for Scotty comedy and all of us. So I had Jordan uh, videotape that last night for Scotty. Like we have everyone set, <laughs> every single person set. But then oh. he also um, took a lot of pictures from that night. So I had, like a whole album of like for Scotty. I think I posted it on Bacon the night it happened. Um, and then I helped him. Uh, we did the roast for Jorge. So I, <laughs> I helped out for that. So yeah, I was there on the last night. I I coordinated some of the events, but not all of them. Oh <laughs> wow, that's cool! I didn't even know you were part of it. That's so awesome. Wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So our our last night uh, at Frascati, we were hanging out, you know, mingling, taco guys outside, getting some tacos, whatever. I filmed Athena's set, and we didn't we hadn't met Mel Michelle yet either. Mm. And I, uh, I filmed Athena's set, and then we were watching it. You know, X amount of months later, maybe a year and a half later, and Mel Michelle is right in the front. You She's can see right her. in the front. You can see her yeah, in the video. Yeah, I knew Michelle at that point because oh, I wow. I was part of the. So there's so many throwbacks on the club, but there was a, a a women's writing group at that time. The art. Oh, okay. Funny enough, Arturo had started it, but it was a women's. Oh, writing I remember. Group. I remember him promoting yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, so, and then it was so me. Dope. That's how I met Lalita. Um, I think that's also how I, I can't remember. I met Mel through one of the ladies in the group, and then also at some open mics, um, yeah, and then like so a few other people. So yeah, well, if you look at Jorge's, like I know he has that picture one where he's like in the middle, and everyone's like doing this to him. Like I'm in yeah, the background. Yeah. I'm one of the people like this. <laughs> like, okay, I have to go back and look at it because I was like, yeah, I'm one of the people there. in the background smiling at him. <laughs> I do remember the photo. I don't remember it specifically though. Yeah. That was actually that was the photo that we had. Like uh I think Coral was the one who had it printed out and everything and we gave it to him. And it's like I think it's I can't remember if we signed it. I think we did, but I'm not sure. That's so sweet. That is really good. What what a like It's so crazy because like at the time we were friends with Jorge and you were friends with Jorge and like we were both there. We didn't know each other. I know. I always trip on that. Yeah, because you, you always think your your friends know your friends, especially comics. Especially, and, yeah, especially <laughs> comics. The thing is, I don't remember. I don't remember what month that was in uh, when Frascati closed down uh, the last mic. But we had just gotten back into comedy in 2019, so we were kind of fresh mm. back into it as well. So that's probably why we didn't really know a lot of people yet. I yeah. guess we just kind of knew the people we yeah. knew from before because we took like three and a half years off. Yeah, I I'm sure that was well spent. <laughs> Not really. I mean, no. yes and no. <laughs> I, I would say yes, because uh, like there was a lot of things happening. I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia. I was trying to <gasps> figure that stuff out. Yeah. No, you know, my kids were still like they really needed me to be around. I couldn't be like often gallivanting. And so, you know, we had decided it would be for the best at the time. Plus, Sam was working weird. I was working graveyard. So so it was hard. And then it's like, you know, a couple of weeks turns into a couple of months. And then before you know it, a couple of months is a year or two. And you're like, holy shit, has it been two years since we did comedy? You know, exactly. 
fibromyalgia that's similar to chronic fatigue syndrome but different right it's like inflammation it's like everything it's that's it's what like, I feel like. like it's like it's just everything. It's like an everything. They can't it, figure it out. It's like an everything bagel of uh, body things. But yeah, chronic f- fatigue is one of the oh, symptoms, movie. and then like there's you know chronic pain everywhere, joints, That's- inflammation, and then don't get me started on the digestive issues and yeah. brain fog, I was about brain to say, fog and everything. Yeah, a lot of- I- I was about to say, because I went through something, I don't know exactly, but it matches like chronic fatigue syndrome this year. Like I with sickness, I was telling you guys oh, about. Wow. And it was it was a whole bunch. Oh, I can't imagine having pain like it 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 felt like it was painful sometimes, but it didn't have like that aching feeling that like fibromyalgia has. And yeah. I, oh, I couldn't imagine gosh. if I had that on top of it. It's so weird because uh when the pain first started, I honestly thought that, uh, I was dying. So, <laughs> and then when <laughs> going through all the tests and everything and trying like, to you're fine. what's going on, they're like, look, you're not dying. Uh, <gasps> it's just going to feel like that forever. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, oh, no, I hate that. that makes me feel better. <laughs> right? Oh, great. I know that was the worst thing you hear from doctors. It's like, oh, we didn't find anything. You're fine. I'm like, bitch, I'm not. Why else would I be here? Don't tell me I'm fine. Just say you didn't find anything. You're fine. You're just fucked forever, but you're cool. Oh my gosh. But yeah, we I I totally empathized with your um your health journey, man. You've been going through so much, and my heart goes out to you because yeah, when you're, you're dealing with chronic illness or anybody who's been sick or hurt or, you know, in the hospital for long periods of time, I think they can empathize with other people that are going through some heavy shit with their health. So I I'm glad that you're, you know, feeling a little bit better, you know, a little bit at a time, you know, yeah. however yeah. it comes. <laughs> I feel like you're reading, you actually read my emails. <laughs> <laughs> Because I do have an email list and I, I kind of figured out that I don't know if you guys are on it, but like I like every once yeah. in a while the email, I'm like, this is an update. Everything is shit. Goodbye. <laughs> Just like comedy, comedy, comedy. I'm shit. Goodbye. <laughs> you know, uh, your story, I mean, just like your upbringing and things is interesting because knowing you, right? Um, you said that you comedy was kind of a thing that you did to help your family to kind of raise spirits and cheer people up a little bit. And when you're, when you're a child, that's your community. And you're very like, as an adult, very community strong. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like that's kind of been in you your whole life. What do you, uh, I guess, what do you say about that? Like growing up and being kind of for the community? Yeah. I don't know. It's, I, I think it's back to values. It's like, I, I mean, Africans are very big on like community and I feel like that's just something missing a lot in the U.S. So like, I think, I don't know. I just, I just think that we're better together. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. Together. Like, right. The, the, a bunch of people working for the same goal is a lot better than one or two people here and there. Yeah, absolutely. So you started a production company uh, during the zoom times uh, tell us about that uh, <laughs> triumph and struggle. Yeah, um, I would say it was. It started with the CCC show, which I still miss. The CCC was it was fun. That was a fun. Yeah, Cynthia. it was a really fun show. Um, 
it was interesting because uh, so my background is biomedical engineering and I actually right around, I think, February, they kept talking about COVID and like, oh, it's like in China. So I actually had a friend in China. She was in the Wuhan district and she told me about like all the closures that they had and the quarantining. Right. And then I looked at the fact that the CDC had updated it from a it was like the level right before pandemic right and at pandemic I knew they would be doing quarantines and stuff so we were like at the level right below it and I'm like why is anyone else freaking out <laughs> so I like, yeah no I mean I kind of didn't think it would even get like it did I just thought it would be like okay well everybody stay home for two or three days and we'll be fine yeah I that would have worked it would have actually the two-week quarantine would have worked if people actually had stayed home yeah and we observed did. it because <laughs> but i mean because it worked in other countries but it, um sorry one second okay sorry my sister is telling me my cat's crying for food you're oh. good i know you're good <laughs> i i'll feed him in a bit but um what was i gonna say uh I'm on a podcast. I'm sorry. I don't know what that was. No, you're fine. We don't have any privacy in this home. People just walk in. <laughs> it's, it's fine. Um, every once in a while, she, like, no, she like, really just crying. like... No, he really wants you to feed him now. <laughs> no, but also every once in a while, my sister, I'm like working and my sister will just like walk in and like throw the cat at me and leave. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> She's like, he's crying. And I'm like, he meows. That's what a cat does. He's I don't know. Like, because the thing is, no, he's like really chatty. And my sister thinks that whenever a cat is meowing, that there's something going on. Like he wants something. But oh, half wow. the time, I think he just wants to like talk. Cause like every time I like walk in, I'm like, he, he's like mare. And I'm like, mare, mare. And he's like, mare. And then I'm like, cool, good to see you. And then I walk away. <laughs> but if he wants me to do something, then he'll follow me around. So that's what I'm like. <laughs> but okay, sorry. Uh, no, when uh when Gizmo wants to be fed, she love bombs us. Oh, it's so hard. And then she so what, does she starve every day so y'all can get some cuddles? <laughs> oh my gosh. No, it's the only me. way please that we can me. just I love you so much. <laughs> it's like, look at she's purring. Like, like, oh, <laughs> your cat. That's nice. No, my like, cat. Well, let's not, let's not feed out him now so we can enjoy these uh these love bombs for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> no, my cat just annoys the shit out of me until he gets what he wants. Oh damn. And, like the thing is, I swear to God, he is a cat from a scary movie. Because you ever like <laughs> You're like doing laundry and then you turn around and your cat's there. Yes, that's there. Gizmo. Yeah. <laughs> I wake up sometimes in the night. I wake up and it's like all dark and like his eyes are just staring at me on my bed. So I'm like, <laughs> I didn't go to bed with you. Where the fuck did you come from? <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Um, so we were talking, you were talking about that the threat level was just below pandemic and nobody cared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I, I was actually, I started warning people. I'm like, hey, you guys should get emergency supplies ready. So I bought like a bunch of rice. I bought flour. I bought water. I had toilet paper <laughs> randomly. <laughs> I bought a bunch of fruits. And then when the shutdown happened, I was like, all right, I'm bet. Like my sister was like, can you get groceries? I'm like, no, I got groceries for me and for a reason. And I got you emergency. She's like, I want more. And then 
I was like scrambling and getting all the stuff on Tuesday when they were like starting to like lock shit down. And I was like, I specifically planned so I wouldn't be in this situation. <laughs> I <didn't have> <laughs> but no, like, but the lockdown happened. And then um, I, I, they were saying two weeks and then I kept watching the news of like white people just like not quarantining and talking about freedom that was terrible and then i was like all right we gonna be in this for a while so i started my comedy show the ccc show like i think a week after quarantine put into place wow yeah i think it was one of it was probably one of the first zoom comedy shows yep in california for sure but i don't know about the world i want to say the world um so that's how i started and then um it just sort of grew from there at the start i had trouble getting communities because everyone thought it was temporary and then they're like oh i don't want my stuff mm-hmm. online and then like after like one two or three like it was easier to book yeah. shows because everyone was <laughs> like <laughs> it's crazy though because like when we came up in comedy in 2010 12 years or 10 years before the pandemic whatever don't put your stuff online because then it deters people from coming and seeing you yeah. You know, so that's what we've been taught for our whole lives. Like, don't put stuff online. Don't put stuff online. And then all of a sudden, everything's online. And you're like, it is true. Yeah, it it's, so, true. it's so I'm crazy. I'm finally seeing comedians post their clips online. I'm like, I've been waiting for this for years. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it started. It started with just the CCC show, and then uh, I started expanding to other shows. So I think there was the All Star Comedy Show, um, Sugar and Spice um, Open Mic which was really fun. And then there was the Salty People Writing Workshop. There was also the very short-lived clean comedy show, like the family show. I don't know. There was like a bunch of like different... And then I also had like specialty shows, partly because I love the idea of, like you said, like creating community, but also giving back. So like we had like the the Black On comedy series, which was all about racism Mm -hmm. following George Floyd. Uh, with that money going to like BLM charities, we did yeah. the Dia de los Muertos yeah. show with the money going to a local Latinx community. So I, I don't know. I guess it's like I wanted to to do comedy and make people laugh, but also I realized how much fun it is to give a platform to other comedians. Yes, and I really that's the part I really enjoy about like producing. Like you know, like there's the stress of like promoting and this and that, oh, but like when yeah. you actually see people like having fun and engaging with people that you booked, I'm like this worth it like that's perfect and especially because yes. I felt like I finally was in a place where I didn't have to be on a lineup with like four white guys where I was like oh I can make the lineup oh yeah <laughs> and I think that's also been the fun part of just like giving opportunities to people that like don't normally get opportunities like I I I don't know like there's so many people that I love there's like Nina G there's I like like a lot of big female comedians and then I've gone to their shows in person and then I looked at the headliner and I'm just like, why is she funnier than the headliner? (laughs) (laughs) And like you've been to so many places where I'm just like, why are these people not headlining more than, you know, like, you know, like why do we see such big, incredible names, but like it's more men headlining that aren't as funny or maybe you know it's just kind of like flipping the script and saying like hey you deserve to headline you're gonna headline my show or like or they deserve to headline or this you know like and giving people that sort of like thing of like all right you you've done it so yeah athena headlined a ccc show i think 
You did. And then I you did. headlined my neighborhood comedy show. Well, oh, you're yeah, hilarious. That too. Oh, Double headliner. Dang. Yo, you're Super hilarious strong. and you deserve it. And then yeah, you hosted yeah. quite a few of my shows because you are amazing, Sam. Hell yeah. I love, I love, love, love hosting. You're good at it too. He With is. Things. He like really shines. Uh, and uh, I wish I could be like that. <laughs> We the first the first uh mic we had was a, a showcase over in San Mateo and we we're oh, really yeah. fresh at like that was like in 2013. Yeah, fresh at hosting, fresh no, at No, my mom was still that. alive, so it was like 2011, 2012. Yeah. Wow. And Sam was like he took to it like a freaking natural, and <laughs> I was horrifically awkward every single time I hosted <laughs> to the point where I was like just don't unleash me upon these people, please. <laughs> oh, because we were we were we were switching off hosting, and she was like, "You know what? You just host it." Because <laughs> I was so bad. <laughs> like, okay, I will. You're right. It's okay. <laughs> hosting, I've learned this practice. I feel like, okay, a lot of people shit on Zoom comedy shows, and like, I get part of it, but I feel like in that one year comedy, I learned so much because I was doing like I somewhere I was doing like five or six shows a week. Yeah. And then weirdly enough, hosting helped me as a comedian because it helped me interact with the crowd better. I came up like I got more comfortable, like just saying things on my mind, which half the time it's not funny, but like it makes it like spontaneous and authentic. And I think the biggest thing I realized was how important authenticity and comfortability is as just a comedian in general of being on the stage. Like if you are authentic and comfortable on the stage, maybe they're not always going to laugh, but they're always going to like you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. I've been told that many times that I'm just myself Mm -hmm. on stage. And one of my favorite parts about hosting too is uh, like saying something about the person set that just happened. Yeah. I love that because the, really? the audience will eat it up because it's a callback, you know. Exactly. Yeah, I love that. I love that shit. Yeah. Plus, I feel like it makes the person that uh, you know just went up. It kind of makes them go, "Oh, someone was listening." <laughs> yeah. You know, like, "Hey, at least the host was listening." Yeah, the, you were doing though, um, like so many shows a night, mm, a week, and stuff like that. And not only were you like learning to host. And learning to interact with the crowd, you're also learning production and booking and, yeah. and delegating because you even had people that were helping you. Yeah. So you're like delegating and, and you're just doing kind of everything. It was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was crazy. I think at a point I had a team of like five or six people because I had like two graphic designers, two bookers. Um, oh, and then Delitris, who is still my favorite, but uh, the Zoom tech manager who is incredible. And I think, um, it made me realize because I, I got why people hated Zoom comedy because I went to a lot of other shows. I'm like, oh, y'all don't have your shit to eat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, there's a lot more shows were like that than, than were good. Yeah, more shows were bad than good. Yeah, it's but it, it really did make me realize how much of a difference it is to be organized, but to also like have someone in the Zoom tech who can like interact with the audience because that makes it more fun. Um, having someone who knows when to like spotlight this person or that person yeah. go back and forth mm-hmm. with reactions. Um, I learned so much and I think I'm still learning much as a comedian because I'm I'm transitioned to like in-person shows and like every every week I'm like okay maybe I should do this next maybe I should do that next maybe I should do that next uh, but I'm also trying to take my sister's advice and she said like just start small and then go bigger and 
I mean, I think the deal of Metro Show will be still like I'm still hoping to get like just like 30, 40 people. But, you know, my goal for the next year is just continuing to build an audience, right? Like one yeah, or two yeah. people at a time. Can you build the audience and then, right, just people will come back and then more people will come and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And you can do it too because like you're really good yeah, at what you do. Yeah, we've seen you like really finish tasks when you put your mind to it. Yeah. <laughs> it's really inspiring because like I said, I mean, we it's, it wasn't just the emails, but we see your posts. <laughs> we see your posts on Facebook and we, we like follow along on your journey because you are one of our favorite people. So, you know, we, we kind of invest, you know, a lot of like care and thoughtfulness into you and, and we enjoy watching you overcome so much shit. And it's quite inspiring to be honest. And uh, I, personally, I feel like it can inspire not only myself speaking for myself, but a lot of other people who are going through a lot of shit and maybe people that aren't going through stuff, like what the hell is holding me back? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I think, I think you are, are quite, quite the story to be told and you're not even halfway through. Yeah. You're just y'all, y'all, y'all are just keep stop attacking me with positivity. I'm gonna die with all these positive vibes. <laughs> like y'all are gonna fucking kill me. I don't know. <laughs> That's what we're here to do, though. We're here to like make you see it. You know, trying to shine a light on it for yeah. you. <laughs> Even though you're the value, you you'd had that singles. You're on that single comedy show where you're just like, oh, it's for single people. But y'all are like the best couple. <laughs> I, I remember you were so mad about that. I'm still, I'm still mad about it. Shit. Okay, I'm gonna be out in these streets looking for my dick charming, and y'all already have it. Just to- <laughs> And then we no, you don't deserve to show. be on the show about yeah. single people if you're and then we turn around, we're on happy. couple shows too after that yeah that's better yes yeah <laughs> we're on the single shows and the couple shows what that's great. <laughs> all about appropriation man <laughs> you make them think. yeah i just we just take the ring off yeah. for the single shows you know? oh but no i i definitely feel like i've learned from you guys too the, the hypothetical comedy because you guys have done an amazing job too of building community like all those zoom sessions you guys have where people could just come through and talk like a lot of that like was really helpful to me especially on my dark times where it's like 12 midnight and i can't go yeah. to sleep and i have like a bunch of dark thoughts i'm like oh i can talk to other people while i walk my cat <laughs> <laughs> that, was the best. that was i remember the first time you did that i was like my mind was blown yeah i think everyone was really <laughs> wait what you're walking you're like, your cat no look no look my cat and you just like show the cat and the cat's just walking next to you outside in the park or just whatever come on mom let's go oh my gosh yeah. i couldn't believe that i really couldn't yeah he's still like that he's yeah <laughs> did you guys so now that we know kind of we've been to your place did you stay because you live in like a big a huge complex did you just yeah. stay in the complex or did you go like places no i'm still there no i mean when you were walking in your cat oh oh no i go to the park i actually oh, leave okay, the complex okay. and i go to the, to the park and come back like so he's oh. used to like the neighborhood itself so like he he can like walk around the neighborhood like he he like sometimes because i have a gps on it sometimes i see him at the park by himself i'm like wow i'm an unfit mother like oh. my child i'm neglecting my child so much he goes to play by himself in the park <laughs> how do you uh how do you have a gps on your cat um yeah you know, 
it had the tile and then I switched to the air tag. So like you just you just buy like a collar attachment and you put it in and it works. Yeah, it wouldn't work for your daughter because yeah, she no. likes to be naked. She hates her collars. Mm-hmm. When Gizmo was a baby, we got her a collar with a bell on it and she would walk around with the bell in her mouth so it didn't make any noise. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can get the ones without the bell. Yeah, you probably I could think, do that. No, that's the thing because my cat used to hate collars too, but then we got him. I, I realized it was material because I had like a braided collar and it would like smell and itch and i realized like it's it just didn't work so i got i buy him leather collars now and he like doesn't mind them oh interesting he knows how to take them off though because i saw him take it off once and then stare me in the eye he's just like (laughs) i want to not because i need to but like he just wanted you to know right he does want you (laughs) he just wanted you to know he's like like, i wear this butt by the way yeah, I would suggest trying a different material collar to see if the cat likes it better. Yeah, we'll, we'll try. We'll try another collar, maybe. We do have one without a bell, but she's still. We lost it for a couple of, like months or years. I don't know. And then we yeah, found it. we uh, lost it. We were <laughs> finding it one day under the couch. <laughs> she goes under the couch and just hides it. Oh they can't gosh. find it here. <laughs> so how how was it? What was it like for you um, transitioning from? Uh, doing shows on the Zoom to doing the shows in person. But you're still kind of on the Zoom because you still stream your in-person shows, right? Yeah, I know. Yeah, so I'll tell you guys my business plan. The idea was that I do want, I want a hybrid experience because um, especially after COVID, like not everyone can come on shows in person, like either um, because of mobility issues, either because they have kids or something. Mm-hmm. So I feel like always having that stream option that's like affordable is good because comedy should be for everyone, right? Yeah, and then in person, you can in person you can have maybe 20, 30 people depending on the venue. But like realistically, if it's online, you can have up to hundred people or more, right? So that's partly why I want to grow an audience that's just both local and online to just sort of like connect people from different places and also have that stream from different places um yeah so the whole the whole goal was always to do like a dual hybrid event thing um now that i'm in person i think the biggest challenges i usually have is with the venue (laughs) yeah finding a place uh working it out with the owners like i think i went to because like so the neighborhood show has always been in my neighborhood but then yesterday we had the third of the fourth series for the summer and it was at mount mike's partly because you know the neighborhood hoa was just like changed their mind or like we don't want to show here anymore um Aww. yeah it was it, that's the just i i won't go into the nitty to gritty well it's actually if you see read my emails you know the nitty gritty yeah. <laughs> 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 but, but like um yeah so uh it's not in the neighborhood. So we moved it to Mountain Mike's and the venue there, the owner was like amazing. He was so helpful, incredible. But before we found Mountain Mike's, I found through Tut, I went to six different places in Campbell, just walking up to places, talking to people, following up, sending texts and emails. And like half the time, like they just don't, they don't follow up especially because like you always want to speak to the manager and the owner but then if that person doesn't really care they're not going to pass it on which has been happening yeah i can see that happening i've been in that situation so now it's like towards the end of september literally just one more show so i'm looking at either an ice cream place or a taco place for like the last neighborhood show um and then after that i kind of want to spend september planning for the coming year because 
November, I might not be in the country. December is my birthday month. I don't want to do shit. <laughs> so like, realistically, um, I'm planning for next year. And what I'm thinking about doing is having like starter shows and bigger shows. So like the starter shows would be like smaller shows of like, you know, 20, 30 people um, at a local restaurant. And then the bigger shows would be like 100, 150 people. And um you know, having it so that like, you know, I, I kind of think you're funny, but maybe you're not ready yet for a bigger show. You get to go on the starter show. Yeah. Um, yeah. Go from there. But then along. Oh, actually, sorry. You To answer your question, the hardest part has been venues. <laughs> Finding <laughs> <Yes>. venues. <laughs> Putting a show. But, like everything else usually falls into place um, at some point or another. Um, but I think now I'm really trying to figure out like what kind of impact I want to have because there's so many comedy shows out there now and I feel like I want my comedy show to be yes about building community but also um, what do I want its impact to be do I want us to raise a portion of money every week to go to a local charity like a food bank or go to I know the like queer kids in queer foster kids in like San Jose. Um, do I want to open up a room for people that um, are usually don't feel like women and minorities so that we can like nurture more talent um, and have like an open mic area? Do I want to make a show that is all about queer pride and differences or do I just want to have a regular, you know, like, um, I want my shows, like people leaving my shows, feeling like they either learned something, they made some new friends, or they just felt really good and they felt yeah. like they weren't alone. So I'm trying to figure out, like, how can I work that out? Like, how many shows can I keep up with? Because I try not to, I don't know, I try not to do like 20 shows that I, I <laughs> stretch myself thin on. Yeah. Um, and part of it will also be rebuilding my team because I, I need bookers. I need this. I need that. I need that. But yeah, absolutely. Hey, uh, if, if we can do anything to help you along that, that uh, process, you let us know. Okay. Cause I mean, that's right along the sides of, of we want to foster and nurture mm-hmm. in the community is being able to help each other out during these, uh, these things that we want to get done. And I feel like, you've not only given back to the community with, you know, the donations and and raising the money, but you've also given back to the community by giving people an opportunity to earn money, whether it's a a comedian on your show, um, or if it's somebody doing graphic, graphic design or, or doing any posting stuff or, you know, like your, your actual like promotion team kind of thing. Street team. Yeah. Your street team. So I mean, I feel like a lot of the a lot of the things that you've been working on has been doing what you're trying to achieve. So, I mean, the sky's the limit, obviously. That's true. (laughs) You know, you you put together a team and so you're not just giving opportunity for comedy. You're giving opportunity for other people to get some working experience and some. some Yeah, that is is a part of it, too. Y'all are so dumb. Hey, I didn't even think about it. She did. (laughs) And on top of that, it was during the pandemic when you were doing that before and People were hard <laughs> up on money, you know? Yeah, I, I will confess, really I actually, I, I did lose quite a bit of money. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, we all I, did. Like, the donations weren't always there, but I did want to pay you. <laughs> but yeah, I tried to, but yeah, I mean, I definitely don't regret any of it. Um, and I think that's part of the thing too with having bigger shows is 
Um, I mean, Arturo, if you ever talk to him, kind of speaks mm-hmm. about this too, yeah. about like, why do we have to go to LA to get famous? Right. Um, exactly. And I think part he of does, it- He does kind of preach that. I remember, yeah. Like, if you build the right audience and you have the right support, you can be independent in the Bay Area, 100%. It just yeah. takes time and work and effort. But I want my bigger shows to be a place where one day, like, you, you know, like I could pay someone at least $100, even just for 10 minutes to like do their stuff or like 200 or something where people can actually like feel like, oh, I didn't just pay for gas by coming here. Like I actually got paid. And then one day my also one of my dreams is to actually produce like a Netflix special that's just like the best of the Bay Area, like like the people oh, that I wow. feel like are super funny. But then um, the people on that show would be people that I feel like represent different aspects of the Bay Area, where it's just mm-hmm. like, um, I mean, a, like, you know, like a queer person, a black yeah. person, a white person, someone with um, um, that's neurodiverse, just like, because there's just so many stories out there. But I get really tired going to a comedy show and seeing the same <laughs> Like I get it. Like I'm not anti. I'm not anti white men. I really am not. I, I do hire white men. I do want to say that because, uh, but I do. But I give opportunities to people that don't have as many because you're more likely if you don't get booked on my show, you probably still have eight other shows you could go to. Mm-hmm. And but like I feel like minorities and people of color, you usually have to like know someone or do something. And like even then it's like there's there's extra hurdles sometimes to get booked and be on those shows and like not headline, <laughs> even though you're the funniest. So, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I don't know. I like balanced shows, but that al- that also means that I spend extra time booking. Like my philosophy is I like to I book people, not shows. So I always build a show around people that, I, so like if one person cancels, I'm not just going to fill it with like a rando that messaged me. I'm like, no, I need someone who like, you know, like, oh, you have a show like, oh, I need a strong opener, right? Mm-hmm. With this opener, yep. I also want them to have, but oh, I have, you know, like three other guys. I want a woman that's an opener that's like really strong. And then I kind of look for that person. I was like, oh, are they friends together? Okay, yes. And that also means that they could um, carpool together. And then that's not going to be an issue because I know this person doesn't have a car. Or like, um, you know, like making sure that like it's like a queer person, this person, and that person, that person. So like when you look at the show, it's balanced. Like it's not like... Yeah, Mm -hmm. some non-binary people, queer people. Like you're hearing a lot of different stories, not just like four dicks and a (laughs) like four dick jokes back to back to back, and then that one woman that has like a killer vagina joke. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know know if that makes sense, but absolutely, no, it really does. Yeah, I I agree. It totally does. Yeah, totally. Uh, do you have any like projects you're working on or anything coming up that's exciting? Um, the next, I, I'm just going to be doing a lot of planning in September. So I definitely need to finish my website. That's put on hold for like a year. Nice. What's I the really, website? What's the, uh, the site address? It's literally going to be bongoproductions.com. Bongoproductions.com. Was that B A N G O U? Yeah, B A N G O U Productions. Yeah, you got it. Oh, nice. B-G-O-U productions.com. Um, I have a lot of secret projects and ideas. So 
one of them, I do want to do the Dia de los Muertos show in San Jose. And then the proceeds would, because I feel weird taking money, but I kind of want the proceeds to go back to the museum. So mm -hmm. I kind of have to contact someone and do a few things. Um, I'm also working with San Jose Strong. They're like a local activist group. Oh, wow. Jose. That's cool. Yeah. We're putting together like a music, arts, poetry, comedy show. Also oh. in like November, October time period around Halloween time. I love it. And That's then... Incredible. um. I have two co-producers, but we still, we got to get back together. So, um, uh, what's his name? Um, I think I'm forgetting, but two guys, one Filipino <laughs> dude, and then the other who's half black, half Filipino. I have this idea of kind of bringing back the, the black on series of like comedy plus racism, but doing it with the Asian and the black community some, somewhere in Oakland where like you have comedians of both communities like make jokes and then afterward you like have a discussion with those comedians about like those specific topics it's just a way of just like engaging both groups because we're both going through a lot of like racism and yeah like, yeah and then but also seeing a way that we could like unify and really it's really just like uh that show would be a way to like just use entertainment to open up a further discussion on racism and its impacts across communities uh, that's a secret project that probably next year but again it's all everything's in planning I've always wanted to do a 408 day 408 day <laughs> festival for Saturday oh like, that's interesting yeah man like the 408 day could be like you know like uh you know like saying uh where is it the Caesar Chavez Park yeah, yeah. Yeah, so closing off that whole area, there's like an entire street there where we could have low riders so people could come in and like wow. look at the low riders. You could do like a little skate park too on the other side of the street. Mm -hmm. You could have like local artists and like comedians and um, everything and like local Hell businesses yeah. come and like, you know, just like celebrating San Jose culture. Yeah. And like if I could get E40 to perform, I would die. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I gotta talk to someone so it'll be part of the planning because like apparently someone's throwing a smaller version of that so like seeing how they do it and I looked into the process and it's, it would be like $4,500 at least no, to close down 40, the park yeah well or the city the streets yeah to close down just the streets but then there's wow. like thousands and thousands of more dollars you have to spend on permits and then um, so it would be a long, pro I would literally need an entire committee, but like yeah. hopefully in one day in my life, I could do a four eight day project. And that would be like on April 8th. Yeah. Hell yeah. That's so That's dope. dope. That's so I dope. Like I it. love that. Yeah. yeah. You got to make that happen. Hell Hell yeah. yeah. And then I also have this weird idea to do a bongo comedy fest of just like, you know, like. Um, not a couple, but like, you know, like kind of bring back some of the different shows, like the, you know, the writer's workshop during the week, yeah. having it like across the Bay Area, like Alameda Comic Club, San Jose Improv, Tommy, like, you know, Tommy T's and like just putting together like different showcases of comedians. Hell yeah, and, that's rad. Um, and like inviting cool. some people from like the Zoom shows of like, hey, do you want to audition to be a part of this? Okay, come through. But then also like paying people, so that, <laughs> you know, because a lot of people like don't pay comedians, but using the money to pay comedians so there i have a lot i think the problem is i have too many ideas <laughs> <laughs> on top of like the mics and the shows i want like regularly running um but it'll is one of those things where i, uh, I i'm gonna spend a lot of time this time trying to figure it <laughs> well like or, i said yeah, I guess, you I guess now we're help. in september wait we're in september now yeah we are 
Okay, October, October. <laughs> okay, this probably won't even. This probably won't even see, see the day of light in September. Yeah. We can say it is October now. <laughs> um, where did the name Bangu Productions come from? Ah, that is a good question. So, um, I Bangu Productions. Bangu is actually the name that my grandmother on my father's side comes from. It's a village in Cameroon. Oh wow! Yeah, so I kind of picked the name because I part of the again it goes back to the idea of community like Bangu and Cameroon in general like we have a big emphasis on family and community and togetherness and if you look at like the actual like blueprint that I use it's uh called Lundup which is like this very traditional fabric in Bamilike culture which is my tribal group mm-hmm. and I basically kind of just wanted to like bring it all home of just like create a village I guess in America. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, I don't know yeah. if that makes sense. <laughs> no, it's it, it makes a lot of sense. And then we started off by just like saying how community strong you are, you know. And that's even why I asked you if you were from San Jose originally, because you're just so you're just so full of community. I just love it. Yeah. And it's just your roots and your tradition and and you know where you come from and just everything that just kind of blossomed into this. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. You know, Oh yeah. I, I mean, we've, we've heard of like all of the really cool stuff that you're working on and all the stuff that you're intending to work on soon Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Um, but I mean, ultimately we all have like, I guess as a person, we all have that, that big goal and whether it's, we end up like performing in a certain place or moving to a certain area, like what's your dream goal? like at the the not at the end of everything but what is something that will make you feel like all right i achieved my success and uh i feel like really like, good about this like in life or in my yeah. company um i think the netflix one would be a big deal yeah but um I don't know. That's, that's a good question. I don't know. I have like several goals of the business. Like I'm in like phase one. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, phase one. Um, I think the ultimate phase is just using comedy to bring people together and help people. Like one day, oh, yeah. I think phase three uh, was going to be um, teaching comedy to uh, younger kids, like at risk youth in like San Jose, mm-hmm. Oakland um and using it and but then also like partnering them with like psychiatrists therapists and tutors because comedy for me I found was like a way to cope with everything and like get through the day-to-day and teaching those kids to those those skills to students like even if they're not gonna be comedians it could be sketch artists it could be writers it could be all yeah I think whatever art they 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 uh whatever art that they're uh, attracted to really maybe not even art it could also help with you know public speaking yeah exactly you know other things yeah yeah but teaching that to them but then also providing them the resources to like you know get the mental health that they need get like the get help in school Mm -hmm. you know kind of using it that way and then uh, phase four was going to be to open like a black owned grocery community grocery store so I guess my, I guess there's like multiple, again, there's like multiple phases. Bangu <laughs> <laughs> groceries. Day two is. <gasps> oh, that would be so cool. Bangu <laughs> groceries with the, with the stage in the, in the corner. 
<laughs> I do. The thing is, I do want my grocery store to be a meeting spot. So like, you know, like a little meeting room in the conference room in the back that people could book if they want to have shows or they want to just like, Hell yeah. have like, but um, I, I just feel like I want to use comedy as much as possible to make people's lives ultimately better Dang. and to use comedy in a way that doesn't I know that uplifts people and that doesn't like reinforce our racist structures right mm-hmm. however we can use our money and power to make a, this place a better place I kind of want to do it so I don't know if that's like a goal mm-hmm. but I feel like the Netflix special would be good because it's just like visibility and then like using that visibility to like do other things hell but, yeah 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 definitely you know that would definitely shine a spotlight on um so you could use that to to kind of reach other goals and Mm -hmm. help other people and things like that i love the whole mental as the whole mental health aspect of it and then you like you said earlier in this conversation comedy's helped you pull yourself out of a dark place you know and you're out there doing that for other people so that's amazing yeah i hope i i I don't think i am but i'm hope i don't think i don't know i mean the the sad part is is you're never gonna know you're never gonna know (laughs) because yeah. it's just your too. journey you know it's just your journey you're gonna be touching people's lives you know you're never gonna know but you're just gonna keep on yeah. doing it you know i think the one thing i was cautioned though um people always say comedy is therapy and i think it is but i realized it was just a coping mechanism which is why i emphasize so much like mental health mm-hmm. help yeah. is the, because it doesn't comedy will help you get through your day-to-day but like you need the resources mm-hmm. that not everyone has like not everyone can afford to pay a therapist i <laughs> i reached my out-of-pocket max so now i can afford to pay a therapist <laughs> right but like finding a way to get people those sort of resources would be great truly absolutely i mean that's another thing that kind of like it's um, mental health assistance is like the gift that keeps on giving when you help people get back on track and and feel better about themselves, they're able to, you know, interact with people in the world in a more kinder, more pleasant. And I'm not saying that everybody has to be likable, but, you know, that gives them the opportunity to like have things open up for them, you know, when you're not grumpy, you're, you're more likely to have people listen to you, you know? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, that makes sense. I know. I, I got really afraid, though, because we lost. Um, I mean, there's comedians, uh, as we all know, like the Rob who started the SJCU Comedy Club. He passed away um, mm-hmm. via suicide. And oh. there's a lot of other comedians in like sort of that same boat where like, you know, every yeah. few months we hear someone. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also reminds me like there's so many black comedians, like even just the last month, there's, there's like three that have passed away. Um, in the last month, especially black male comedians. And it it just highlights how important your health is. Like a lot of us go into comedy because it makes us get through the day. It makes us feel better. But like if we don't actually un- address the underlying cause of our misery, yeah. like we, it kind of just delays the inevitable. Yeah. If you don't mm-hmm. fix it, it's always going to be festering. Yeah. Yeah. Comedy is a good band-aid, but it, yeah, it's not a cure-all. <laughs> hell yeah i feel like uh i feel like comedy can be applied to anything like if you're uh using it excessively to cope with something obviously it's not going to be healthy anymore 
but no, like I, using it for a proper like, channel yeah I think you I burn think yourself out and that happened to me like mm -hmm. I burned myself out because I was going through so many shows driving so much I was tired yeah. all the time and then it's yeah. just yeah and then yeah then when you're burnt out you find yourself being depressed again yeah because there was no comedy there to distract you from it truly yeah, yeah. so I hope you're doing well Everything I am now I am now there was definitely oh, some yeah. touchy weeks a few weeks ago <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it comes day. in, it comes in waves. It comes in waves. It does. And if you, you remember can... that Facebook post where it's just like, like it was just like, please write down memes. I'm feeling in the dumps. I was feeling bad, and then at the end, I was like, I am the dump. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I don't think I saw that. That's no. that's that's horrible and funny at the same time. I know. <laughs> I am the dump. <laughs> the dumps are down in me. <laughs> uh, so, well, thank you very much, Cynthia, for talking to us. It's been really, really fun. It's um, been fun talking to you. I miss you guys so much. Yeah, yeah, we miss you. We miss hanging out. We miss, you know. Well, hopefully, uh, if that Makwa show gets off on its feet, I will see you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Or just anywhere. Just, or whatever. We'd love to see you at any mic. <laughs> yeah, if we if we're gonna be in the area, we'll let you know too. Hell sometime. Yes, too. yes, 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 yes. Please, definitely. Please. Do you want to uh, plug your social media and stuff? Yeah. Uh, my social media is at Cynthia in Public on Instagram, and also at Cynthia in Public on Facebook. Cynthia in Public at gmail.com. My Venmo is Cynthia in Public. My Cash <laughs> App is Cynthia in Public. <laughs> my PayPal is Cynthia in Public at gmail.com. <laughs> I try to make it really easy for people to find me. Everything is <laughs> hell yeah. And if you want to get on my email list, let me know. Um, just DM you want to get on that? Email yeah, just list. find her at Cynthia in Public anywhere. I don't know. I just I realized that's so poor, but I'm like, because like people would like email me. I was like, oh, I guess people actually read my emails, but then they usually emailed. Me. I was like, oh, I guess people want to know how I'm doing. So I like so now I include every email. I'm like, there's a like small section. I'm like, here's how I'm doing. <laughs> like, <laughs> here's how that's things awesome. are going, and then you'll get like bonus cat photos sometimes. So nice. oh, I love it. That's a good idea. <laughs> we have a little mailing list too. <laughs> just send out some cat photos of Gizmo. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I'm on your mailing list. Like I get, I get, but like you guys only email when you're having like a hypothetical show. We're having a show. Yeah, we're actually thinking about doing one about a, a, a email blast about the podcast. But hey, yeah, we have a podcast. Everybody it. go check it out. Adding the other stuff to it. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Do it. Do it. People want to read about that and put Hell pictures yeah. of yourselves. Oh yeah, I'll <laughs> yeah, put a fake picture of me. A catfish. Oh dang! <laughs> I'm like this is me, and I'll put like a picture of like Mitch Hedberg or something. Oh no, God. you can actually put the drawing that she that Athena did. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. That's a really Gizmo. good one. I love that yeah. with Gizmo on my shoulder. Hell yeah! Yeah. I know. Um, <laughs> as far as social media goes, uh, you can find me at Funky San Medina. Pretty much everything, uh, the way Cynthia has it. <laughs> uh, you can find me at She Shines for You, all spelled out, no numbers on Instagram and Twitter. And Athena Rodriguez comedy on Facebook, if you want. Oh, I also have a Twitter at Cynthia in Public. Oh, is it? I'm so surprised. Oh man. Oh uh, well, Twitter. you know what? I stop. The thing is, Twitter's so part of it too is I keep thinking that I'm just gonna let out a meme or like I'm gonna just write something and then 10,000 people will like me and it doesn't happen. <laughs> I get like two likes. But then also half yeah, the time I go on Twitter, I just bully Mitch McConnell. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that's literally why I go on Twitter half the time. Like, 
Like I remember this bridge collapsed while they were like talking about the infrastructure bill. And I was like, I like DM'd or like I post on Mitch McConnell. I was like, how do you like the infrastructure bill now? Bridges are collapsing <laughs> across America, bitch. Bitch the bitch. Yeah. I, I, I'm not even a good cyber bully. I haven't been banned yet. So <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, she's kind of mean, but she makes some good points. <laughs> she's just telling the truth. <laughs> Let's just, we'll let her be. We'll let her be. And then Mitch McConnell retweets you. <laughs> Dude, that would be the dream. But I think he'd probably be like this overeducated woman with her with her cat and microwave popcorn. I'm like, I, I don't, it's like, I see no lies, Mitch. But I also don't know. <laughs> Hey, before we go, here's a bonus story. I uh, I got retweeted by Snooky once, and <gasps> uh, I almost got famous off of it. I got a couple hundred followers. Oh nice. So I was on the bus, and I, it was a long time ago, like 2013 or something. And I was just, I guess, feeling trolly. Snooky tweeted, "It's cleaning day," and so I I uh, replied to it. And I said, "For your maids." <laughs> and then she retweeted it and said, "You wish." I don't know why I would wish that, but a bunch <laughs> of her fans were like just attacking me on Twitter the whole day. Like the whole day, I was getting attacked on Twitter and followed at the same time. It was really? Funny. Yeah. Just for telling me, but she yeah, probably just for that. the cleaner. <laughs> her comeback was you win. Yeah, her comeback I mean, yeah, was I'm about to say that's like the weakest comeback ever. Like, right? <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you very much, Cynthia. It was good to talk to yeah, you. Thank you. Yes.